Hello, welcome to the home podcast. The home podcast. We need to come up with some cool little. The home podcast coming at you live. You know, need to figure that out. And gonna apologize in advance, I got the sniffles. So get used to it and don't pay attention to it. Um, but before we get started on uh, what I want to talk about tonight, this day, it's not tonight, it's 10 10 a.m. But before we get started, I got a few um, things I want to share with you guys. Um, First thing is, is we got uh, the home game night coming up September 3rd, this Sunday, hopefully you listen to this the night before, Um, but it starts at 4 o'clock, it's going to be at 2569 South Quintero Way, and that is Blake's house, and the zip code's 80013. it's going to be a night full of yard games, board games, uh, video games, food, snacks, stuff like that. It's going to be a blast. Um, we're looking looking forward to it, and it's going to be it's going to be a night full of fun. So just be there. Uh, if you don't think you're going to know anybody, that's okay. Still be there. It'll be. That's what the night's for: is to hang out with each other, get to know each other better. Cool. So see you there. It starts at four. If you're not on time, it's okay. If you need to come at seven, it's okay. It's an open house kind of thing. You don't have to be there at four, and then we're gonna lock the doors. That would be creepy. But what I want to. Um, kind of talk through tonight is and and I guess the way I'll start this is um, this is kind of a message that kicks off a a mini series um, like a two week series um, called the kingdom of heaven and in this series I want to dive into the concept of on earth as it is in heaven um, that Matthew 6.10 states on earth as it is in heaven. And I want to dialogue through what that actually means and how. Um, And I guess my first thought is when I hear that, or or before I kind of, obviously, it's not now, but um, because then I shouldn't be preaching this, uh, but you'll understand in a second. Um, My first thought was when I heard that, um, first of all, what does that mean? And second, it sounds impossible. You know, heaven in my eyes is a place where we're striving to go and not a point of access for today. And maybe that's the way it resonates with you um, today, but uh, there's moments in history and in my own personal life where heaven actually came down. It did something incredible. Whether it was a healing, a prophetic word, a miracle, an amazing thing, Um, in history, like Azusa Street Revival, awakenings in history, and um, maybe you've heard of Pentecost. I've really got the sniffles. i got allergies really bad. 
But we're going to kind of focus on a key kingdom aspect called unity. And it's one of my favorite topics. I love preaching on unity because it is the foundation of Christianity. If there's no unity, then we can't really do anything. And we should just pack our bags and go home. Um, so, and it fits in our times today, you know. Uh, we're in a pretty weird time in history where everybody's fighting with each other. Nobody's really united. So I thought tonight we could talk about unity. And as you know, the opposite of unity is division, right? If you're not unified with somebody, you are not a part of them. You're divided with them. One one is a kingdom of heaven trait, and one is a kingdom of darkness trait. Obviously, unity is heavenly, and division is, um, uh, I guess I'll say hellish. It's not part of heaven. Sorry, that was disgusting. So if you uh, would turn to Acts 2, um, that's where we're going to be hanging out. Cool? Unity is, unity is a huge passion of mine, and I uh, and frankly, I struggle with it at the same time uh, because I'm human. And as we read through this, um, this Acts 2 story, uh, just get ready. It's freaking sweet. It's dynamic. Um, so, yeah, let's just, let's just do this. Acts 2... Verses 1 through 2. It says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came, uh, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Okay? So right away, you see in one verse the word unity. They were all together in one place, right? So my family loves doing this... Uh, loves doing these escape rooms um and the the kind of point of these escape rooms is uh to get out of the room and you're trying to like solve uh you're trying to defuse a bomb or find a murder weapon and you have an hour to do it and you're solving clues and and puzzles and unlocking locks and and all sorts of these things and uh, you can. Uh, the best the best teams are engaged all uh, all at the same time. If if you like have one leader in this thing who's kind of calling the shots and and doing everything, um, you're going to lose and you're going to fail. The game is designed around different personality types and different people's strengths and weaknesses, uh, and you have to rely on your team and all the time. Um, so like I said, if you have one person who's just heading this up, um, your team will lose. And it's kind of just like hockey or soccer or football. Uh, if you have a bunch of amazing wide receivers, you, your team would suck, you know, because nobody able, would be able to throw the ball. Uh, there would be no quarterback, right? <laughs> or a bunch of forwards in soccer you would lose because you would have zero defense and yeah they can run fast and score a lot of goals but if nobody's defending then you're probably going to lose in this escape room you have multiple eyes but one goal same thing on earth multiple eyes and skills but one goal and we'll talk about that one goal in a minute <laughs> so 
Let's go back to the Bible. Before chapter 2, there was chapter 1, right? Uh, chapter 1 ends with them adding uh, to their team and and kind of continuing Christianity. And as we, as we kind of go through the story, remember that Jesus is now gone. He is in heaven now. He's not on earth. And they... And all the disciples, um, they're all hiding in uh, in the upper room, and they're trying to figure out uh, what to do next. And as you may know, uh, Judas, uh, who was one of the twelve disciples, uh, actually commits suicide. And if you know the full story, Judas was the one who actually ended up betraying Jesus. And um, so he killed himself. He hung himself because he couldn't deal with the guilt um, for killing the savior of the universe. Um, so obviously they had a spot to fill. So let's uh, let's just read. Let's just read uh, chapter one twenty three through twenty six. It reads, and they put forward two. Call, they put forward two. Joseph called Barabbas, who was also called Justice, and Matthias. He's got six names. And they prayed and said, You, Lord, you, you Lord, who know the, the hearts of all, show which one of these two you have chosen to take the place in the ministry and apostleship from which Ju- Judas has turned aside to go to his own place. They cast lots, and they cast lots for them, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. So, Matthias wins. Yippee, right? And hear the unity in this. You know, this is probably where I should have started. All right, pause. I gotta go blow my nose. telling you guys that you're always just gonna get this thing raw you know you're always just gonna get it raw uh whether it is a screaming child in the background or a jet plane flying over or my disgusting nose so let's jump back in hope you guys remember what we were talking about because i do um so we were in Acts 23 through 26, and they were praying to figure out who was going to fill Judas' spot. Um, they decided Matthias was going to fill the spot. And what I want to focus in on is the unity just in that. They prayed and then acted on the uh, and what the Lord did, and it was no coincidence. You know? It's just, there's no such thing as coincidence. They prayed together in one place to fill the position, and boom, the Lord showed up and did it. That's freaking cool. All right, back to back to Acts chapter two. So they're still in the they were they're all still in the house on the day of Pentecost, and the sound from heaven, like a rushing violent wind, filled the house. Okay, 
Acts 2, verses 2 through 4. Reads, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Cool? Cool. So the house fills with a wind sound, then appeared to them in tongues of fire and rested on them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Lord gave them utterance. Really cool. Okay, and this sounds familiar in a couple locations. Um, before we before we move on in this, Luke chapter three sixteen, John the Baptist says, um, John answered them saying, "I will baptize you with water, but who is mightier than I is coming. The strap of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire." And then again in the Old Testament, uh, in the in the prophet of Joel, um, verse two or sorry, chapter two, verses twenty-eight through twenty-nine, it says, "And it shall come to pass afterward, and I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit." So, did they know this was coming or, or, or remember? And I would journey to say I think so. Because we'll see in a few, uh, a few verses, Peter quotes this passage again. Um, so, you immediately see that, oh, nobody is, um, nobody's really that confused. You know? It didn't say a mighty rushing wind uh, came through the house and everybody started speaking in tongues... And, uh, and everybody was in chaos. It doesn't say that. It just says very plainly, these are the things that were happening. And it didn't say anybody was worried. didn't say anybody was confused. Um, it didn't say uh, the apostles didn't know what was going on. So let's, let's kind of dig a little deeper into this. Why tongues of fire? Okay? Because um, when I envision this, uh, with my very weird cartoon brain, I envision... A, a pink tongue. <laughs> uh, bear with me. A pink tongue coming out uh, up and over these uh, these disciples and people um, that's on fire. Because it says a, a tongues of fire rested on them. Obviously, it's not what that means. Um, what this means is tongues um, or, or a, a, a tongue represents communication and speech. And we need a tongue. Uh, to be able to talk, right? We need it to share the gospel. Um, and fire symbolizes God's purifying presence and nature. It burns away the undesirable elements of our lives and sets us aflame to ignite others. So, really cool, right? Um, he's saying it rested on them as tongues of fire. And we'll, we'll see this in a second, that what was actually happening in this was everybody was understanding everybody in their own natural language. And we'll talk about that in a second. But before we get to that, in the Old Testament, God confirmed the validity of the law, the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai, with fire. 
In the New Testament, God confirmed the validity of the Holy Spirit in Pentecost. At Mount, at Mount Sinai in the Old Testament, fire fell in one place. At Pentecost, fire fell on many, symbolizing God's presence is now available to all who believe. So this is a really freaking big event. I mean, this is big. There's a lot going on here. God made his presence known to this group of people by using a violent wind and fire and tongues. And it was a big event. It was like, ah, I can't really deny this. But what's cool is that our God doesn't work only in one way, just like he doesn't work only in one place. Um, for a long time, I wanted this so greatly. You know, I wanted the big event. Um, and I was almost peer pressuring God um, for this kind of tangible event to, to happen and to validate my belief. Frankly, it did happen, but I was being blind um, to what the Lord was actually doing. And I want to focus on a passage here um, just for a second. And you guys might be familiar with it. If you're not, great, I'm going to read it. 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 10 through 13. And it reads, He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, throw down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I... Even I only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, Go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind. Sorry. And a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke it into pieces. And the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after that, after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him. There came a voice to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? So what's amazing about that is in the Old Testament, they had to, uh, they couldn't really be in the presence of God. Only the highest of high priests who um, were super legit um, could only see, um, could only be in the presence of the Lord. Um, and it was called the Ark of the Covenant. Um, and what's funny about this is Yes, the Lord only rested in one place, so these on, only the high priests could be there. But these high priests um, would have to walk behind a curtain uh, because the Lord, um, in this Ark of the Covenant, it was contained in this this square, and it was covered by this veil or a curtain. Um, and before the high priest would walk in there, um, the people um, would tie a rope around his stomach. Because sometimes it would knock him out and kill him if he were to walk in there, and then they can't they can't get him out because they're not the the high priest, you know. So they would have to pull him out, pull his dead limp body out of the out of the um, out of the ark of the covenant. So pretty wild, um, and that's why Elijah shielded his face with the cloak is because the the presence of the Lord was not everywhere. 
on Pentecost, you don't see everybody shielding their face, right? That's because Jesus died, and uh, when he died, that veil tore. And if, if you want to hear more about this, go to um, go to our entire list of um, podcasts on iTunes or whatever you're listening to, and click on the one called Veil, and it'll map out this much better than I just did in that um, in that summary. But what I want to get across is the Lord can do whatever he wants and he can show up in wind and in fire or he can show up in a small, still voice in a whisper. Um, So let's go back to Acts chapter 2, verses 4 through 11. And it reads, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues of the Spirit as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now... There were dwell now there were dwelling in Jerusalem oh my gosh I just can't read ever now they were dwelling in Jerusalem devout devout men of every nation under heaven and at this sound the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each was hearing them speak in his own language and they were amazed and astonished saying are not all of these speaking Galileans and how is it that we hear each of uh, each of us in his own native language? And then it lists off a bunch of like cities or countries, like Parthes, and I can't ever say them. So let's jump to eleven. There's like nineteen of them. Both Jews and Prolists, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. Okay? So, more amazement. They were speaking in tongues of fire and everyone could understand what they're saying. One thing you should hear tonight is the Lord can change your mind and tune your ears to understand. And that's good news. They were confused because they didn't have Spanish or French class in their high schools. Right? They were um, all coming from different areas, and they they didn't know. I mean, it's not like like the like everybody just knew a language. Um, they were all speaking in that language. It's like if I never learned Spanish before, and then I went to um, a Spanish-speaking country and I spoke it, and uh, the reason I was speaking it was to share the gospel. So the beauty of of verses 8 through 11, um, which I skipped over because I can't pronounce any of them, is that's 19 different cultures. It's 19 different languages. It's 19 different colors. It's 19 different upbringings. It's 19 different heritages. It's 19 different thoughts. And all heard the gospel because of the Holy Spirit and because of tongues. No matter who you are, God speaks to you. He has the language. He knows the language. One thing I forgot to oh, one thing I forgot to mention at the beginning of this is also called uh, Pentecost is also called the Feast of Weeks. So maybe you're asking like, why were all these people in one one territory? Why were they all in Jerusalem? Um, so all people from all over the country um, were. We're gathering in Jerusalem for this Feast of Weeks kind of festival. And it was showing thankfulness for harvested um, crops. 
So no coincidence, no no coincidence here. The God is the best admin and organizer ever. He knew that he wanted to reach multitudes. So Pentecost happened on Feast of Weeks. Pretty cool. Pretty smart. God knew that he could reach a large part of the world on this particular day with those particular people. A large part of the world got to got to witness firsthand the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And this is what the 12 got to see wherever they went. And so can we. Pretty sweet. Let's go back, uh, or let's keep reading. 12 through 13. That reads, And they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others mocking said, They are filled with new wine. So everybody's confused. Not because of what's actually happening, but because everybody's hearing their own tongue and they're hearing their own language with people who don't speak their language. Now for the this the sake of this time and filling up our time with uh this kind of chunk of scripture, I'm going to skip over it. I don't usually do this, but it's a good, um, uh, I don't usually do it. I don't really like to do it, but I don't want to make this an hour-long um, podcast. Um, so I'm going to skip over Acts chapter 2, 14 through 36. And what happens here is Peter actually gets up and, and kind of says, hey, this is what's going on. And then says, hey, uh, Jesus, and shares the gospel. And um, he essentially brings clarity to what's going on and tells everybody that you're sinners and you suck and that you need Jesus. So um, that's what's going on. That's what happened before this. But we're going to pick up back in 37, verse 37. Now, when they all heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostle brothers what shall we do and Peter said to them repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is for you and your children and all and for all who are far off everybody the Lord, our God, calls to himself. So, really cool. I love the question that he asks. What do we do? A lot of times when I was growing up, um, and maybe still to this day, because I'm such a child and immature, but um, still to this day, or when you were growing up, um, sometimes my, my mom would get mad at me, you know? Uh, because I did something to my sister or, or did something stupid at school. And she would always say, hey, say sorry to your sister. And sometimes I would actually mean it because I felt bad and it was stupid of me. But sometimes it was just because it was something to say. You know, it was, it was just like I was afraid of my mom. Sometimes we do that same thing. And we, we know we should acknowledge that what we have done and say sorry. And it kind of stops there. Um, first we have to let God actually forgive forgive and then repent and, and repent means not doing it again 
And why I'm bringing that up is because that's what Peter was talking about. Hey, you need to stop doing these things. And I didn't understand that as a kid. You know, I was just like, sorry, so the conversation would be over so I could go play. Um, and that's not the way we should kind of go after it with God. It, would sh- it should be more of, hey, I'm sincere and this is stupid. I shouldn't do this again. Cool. Let's keep going. 40 through 44. And with many and with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. And those who received his word were baptized, and they were added that day about three thousand souls. A lot of people. Forty two. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. Unity. About 3,000 souls are in heaven because of this one day. You know? And obviously the ripple effect from that. And the cool thing about this is new believers were in this. You know? This is stuff that they've never seen before, never heard before, never experienced before. And new believers were united with believers. And so believers tune into this. Um, this is our responsibility for when somebody um, commits themselves to Jesus. They ate together. They hung out together. They learned together. They challenged each other. They included everyone in everything that they did. Believers, we should be doing that. We should be pouring into new believers. Not not for our sake, but for their sake. If we truly believe that, that Jesus did what he what the scripture says he did, then why would we not want to be there for each other? The same way we need uh, the same way we and others need like to be in unity united in community right this is what community is eating together hanging out together learning together challenging each other including each other in everything let's map out a scenario what if they had this event and the apostles and leaders said okay see you guys next week or good luck out there where do you think christianity would be would it still have grown I would journey to say maybe yes to some extent, but to the magnitude that it did, no way. You know? Believers' job is to is to invest in new believers and say, hey, I'm here for you. If you got a question, I'm here for you. You know? That's why I uh, that's one of my huge goals with the entire home is to re is to go after this, this community that is mapped out in uh, in Acts 2, verses 40 through 44. Community and unity. Verse 44 reads, All of those who believed were together and had all things in common. God's kingdom works best when we work all together. Verses 45 through 47 read, 
and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all, as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with gladness and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. A healthy Christian community attracts people for Christ. The Jerusalem's church excitement for worship and community was contagious. A healthy church can reach across the world. And this is not just a, I'm not twisting this into a missions message, but a healthy Christian, a healthy Christian community attracts people for Christ. Hey, church, this does not mean sugarcoat. It does not mean, um, I don't know what the word is, um, compromise on what you believe just to attract people. <laughs> but this was the most kind of unattractive thing, right? A bunch of people speaking in tongues with tongues of fire and all these kinds of things. This is kind of kooky to some people. But it was so attractive because it was from God. Right? I I mean, I don't know. I, that's that's so convicting. Why why aren't our churches growing? Is it because we're not going after the full truth and we're not actually partnering with the Holy Spirit anymore? You know, if we were partnering with the Holy Spirit more, I mean, that's attractive. We can't get away from that. That's so attractive. Not in like, ooh, he's cute kind of thing. It's just, well, maybe. Frick, I don't know. <laughs> a healthy Christian community tr attracts people for Christ. The Jerusalem church's excitement for worship and community was contagious. That's beautiful. That's freaking legit. That's what the home's going after. That's what all churches should be going after, is community and partnering with the Holy Spirit more and more and as much as we can and, and more than that because we can't do anything without the Holy Spirit. Do you know that the Holy Spirit actually goes before you and prepares your way? And hooks you up and helps you out? And do you know that the Holy Spirit can actually take over your tongue and, and speak for you? That's what happened in this. You know the Holy Spirit can heal. You know the Holy Spirit can do whatever he wants. It's so cool. So if we are united in, in community, that's very attractive. People will want to be a part of what the Lord's doing. Not because of anything we're doing, but but because of what the Lord's doing and what the Holy Spirit's doing. Duh. It's not about me. It's not about anybody. It's about the Lord. And it's about going after the Lord and being united with Him first. And then everything else falls into place. Yes? Cool. If you have questions, comments, um, reach out to us. Cool?
We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, email, text. Um, handwritten letter. Tied to a dove's foot. This is what, guys, this is what we should be going after. You know, why are we content with just going to church on Sundays? And then being like, all right, see you next week. Have a great week kind of thing. I hate when people say that. I hate when the pastor gets up and says, oh, we're just so glad that you guys came tonight. Have a great week. It's like, frick. We're supposed to be in community with each other. We're supposed to be partnering with together. We're supposed to be encouraging each other. We're supposed to be eating together. What if the disciples only hung out with Jesus once a week? You know? Wouldn't go very far. Because they had six other days. <laughs> or frickin', frickin', frankly, uh, seven other days. You know? We complain about church being too long when it's an hour. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I could go on for this. And I'd probably just get myself in trouble. But that's the bottom line. Un unity and community go hand in hand. Partnering with the Holy Spirit, we want cool things. We want the miraculous. If you don't want the miraculous, you don't want God. I'm sorry, but that's what he's in the business of. Partner with Jesus. Get to know Jesus. Increase intimacy. Be united with him, and then be in community with others and encourage each other. Sweet. If you need a place for that, come to the home. We meet every Saturday night. All right. Thanks for listening. Peace.